if you have memorized a chapter, one chapter in the Bible, chances are pretty good that that chapter is Psalm 23. It's one of the most well-known chapters in the Bible. It's one of the most loved chapters in the Bible. It's one of the first ones we teach our kids. It's one of the last ones connected to our life. It's often read at funerals. It is really fitting for all of life in what it talks about. For the next uh, six weeks, we're going to look at Psalm 23. We're going to look at one verse a week, and as we focus in on this chapter, really it's a time to think about the goodness of the Lord as we see David write about it. Uh, I remember when I was in high school, the uh, best man at my wedding, before I got married, he, he had sheep. It wasn't a common thing. It's not even a common thing in most places in America. But uh, I got to go out one time, a couple times with him, as, and just kind of sit there and watch the sheep and uh, think about, really, I thought about this psalm, and he'd talk about how things connected to it, and uh, maybe some of those illustrations will come up as we go through this psalm. But as we read this psalm, I want to do something a little different than usual. I'd like to read it together, uh, so that way if you don't have it memorized, maybe after six weeks of just saying it together, you will. But uh, we'll read the whole psalm together this morning, and then we will specifically look at verse one. I'll be reading it out of the ESV. If you have a different version, that is okay as well. If you memorize the King James, then you can say it that way as well. But let's read Psalm 23 together this morning. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. May God bless the reading and the teaching of his word this morning. There are really two parts to verse 1. We see those two parts here. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There's really those two focus foci, but I'm not going to focus much on the second half. I'll just barely touch on it because really the structure of this psalm is such that most of this psalm is an explanation of what it means that I shall not want. We see that explained throughout different situations in life as we go through this psalm. So we'll, we'll get to that a lot over the next few weeks, but I want to focus in really on this first part of the verse. So think with me this morning about the Lord being 
a shepherd. The Lord is a shepherd. And really, just those two words together don't normally go together. The Lord is a shepherd. When you think of Lord, you think of a king, a king reigning. In England, there is now a new king. Uh, now that the queen has passed away and King Charles has become king now, uh, kings don't usually go out to the field and watch the sheep. Uh, it's not a royal task. It's not something that's usually becoming to those in authority. They don't usually go do that, right? But the Lord, who's king over the entire universe, who has all authority and all power, he is a shepherd. He draws near to his people. He's not just out there ruling, but he shows this individual care to each one of us. He shows this care, this Love, And we see this really throughout the Bible as we look at God's care for his people. Just a few examples. We remember Jeremiah. Before he was born, the Lord said, I knew you. I set you apart. He had a plan for him individually, personally, right? We see the same thing with David, how he knit him together in his mother's womb. That's the kind really of personal care that God shows to each one of us from beginning to ends. We see that in the lives of his people, God caring. And one great example of that is, is really Jacob. We studied through Jacob on Wednesdays a while back, and Jacob is one of the people, in fact, really the first person to call God his shepherd. In Genesis 48, at the end of his life, he looks back and he says, God has been my Shepherd, And you can think about that, what that looked like in his life, right? Jacob didn't start out following God. We remember he was in the womb and God came and told his mom what he would be like, how he would make a great nation out of Jacob. But we see how that played out. He was, he was a trickster. He was a usurper. He was cheating his brother out of his birthright and out of his blessing. And so God was being patient with him. He was still leading him. And then we see him going off and really on his way to Laban. He makes this deal with God. God, if you bring me back safely, then I'll follow you. I'll, you'll be my God. Even then, God is still being patient and guiding him in life, orchestrating his life so that he would get home safely. And as Jacob's away, really, he's not, he's not thinking about God hardly at all throughout most of his life. But God, the shepherd, was still guiding him. He brought him back safely. He brought him safely home to meet with Esau and reconcile. He revealed himself to Jacob. He changed Jacob. Remember when he changed his name from Jacob to Esau? We see God, even after he changed Jacob, he's still guiding him, shaping him, helping him grow, helping him overcome his fear of people and uh, his favoritism towards Joseph and even Benjamin. We see God continuing to shepherd and guide Jacob throughout his life. So at the end of his life, he says, God has been guiding me this whole time. Even when I haven't known it, even when I haven't been following him closely, God's hand has been guiding me. He's been leading me. Because that's what a shepherd does. The shepherd shows that care for his sheep, for each one of them individually. God cares for his 
people. And we see that idea of shepherding really throughout the Bible. You don't just have to look at Jacob. You can look and see first that God was the shepherd of his people, Israel. He delivered them out of Egypt. He brought them into the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, very similar to this language we see in Psalm 23. He guided them. He cared for them. He met their needs. He gave them goodness. He showed this shepherd care to Israel. We see that not only was God doing that, but he gave them leaders. He said, I will shepherd you through your leaders, whether that's the judges, the kings. Ultimately, God's the one guiding, protecting, but often we see him put leaders in place to shepherd his people. We see that throughout the Old Testament. God directly loving people, but also putting people in their lives to help guide them in the way he wants them to go. And really, there's an application to that, right? If we're leading or we're in a position of leadership or guiding, then we need to be doing it like God, the shepherd. In other words, our leadership isn't about us or getting ahead. It's, it's focused on the people we're leading. It's focused on caring for them, what is good for them. That's how God leads us. He shepherds us. He calls that Christian leadership. That's servant leadership. We imitate him in that way. But in the Old Testament, the leaders often did not do that. They often didn't imitate God. They were shepherds, but they were called bad shepherds, wicked shepherds. They were not caring for the sheep. They were focused on themselves and how the sheep could serve them and meet their needs. And God said some of what we read this morning in Ezekiel 34, that he was going to remove them. He was going to judge those bad shepherds and punish them. And then he would come in and shepherd them and give them another shepherd, one shepherd, David, we read in Ezekiel 34 this morning. And so we see this idea in the Old Testament. This is what a shepherd does. He cares individually. God does it personally. God does it through leaders. And then we get to the New Testament. And at the very beginning, Matthew chapter 2, we read that Jesus has come and that he will shepherd his people. He will be a ruler who will shepherd Israel. Matthew 2, 6. And so the New Testament is very clear. Jesus is this shepherd. He's called the good shepherd. He claims that title. John chapter 10. We know that he cares for the sheep. He lays down his life for the sheep. He knows his sheep by name. His sheep know him and follow him. These leaders in the Old Testament, Old Testament they may have given us an example of what a shepherd is not. Jesus gives us the perfect picture of what a shepherd is in his good, loving care for each of us individually. And so he cares. He wants us to know what it means that the Lord is a shepherd. So if we want to know what does this mean, Psalm 23, verse 1, what does it mean that the Lord is my shepherd? We look at the life of Jesus. He is the good shepherd. This is what it means. We see how he sacrifices himself in order to care for the sheep, feed the sheep, keep them safe, see them grow. That's what a good shepherd does. And finally, if we were to look at this idea of shepherd, just see how it plays out in the Bible. In the New Testament, we also see God 
putting people in the lives of other sheep to help them grow as under shepherds. You remember what Jesus said to Peter after he had been raised from the dead. He came and had this restoration with Peter, asked Peter if he loves him, and then he said what? He said, feed my sheep, right? Peter was used by God to help shepherd. Peter claimed the title as under shepherd. He knew there was only one shepherd who was leading, but he was an under shepherd, a servant of God to help guide, protect, lead the flock in the way they should go. And Peter writes to other under shepherds, elders, pastors in 1 Peter 5. He tells them to shepherd like Jesus. He says this, 1 Peter 5, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in charge, in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. That's why we have the word pastor. Pastor literally means shepherd. It's talking about this care. Pastors are meant to follow the Lord and his good shepherding and care for his people. And so we can see this idea throughout the Bible, this theme of shepherding. It shows up in multiple ways of how the Lord cares for his sheep. And really that that leads us to an interesting application, right? If the Lord is the shepherd of his people, he leads his people, then that means by implication, and we see this played out in the Bible, that there are some people who are not in the flock of God. In other words, there are sheep of God, and then there are those who are not sheep, or goats, as we see played out in the Bible. We read about those who are not a part of the flock of God, about Matthew 25, and how at final judgment, Jesus will separate the sheep from the goats, and he's not a good shepherd to the goats in the same way he is to the sheep. He's always good, but that care, that same kind of personal relationship he has with the sheep is not the same with the goats. In fact, they incur judgment. He doesn't treat his enemies the same way he treats the sheep. The sheep will be in the presence of the Lord forever, but those who are not the Lord's, who are not a part of his flock, they will go off into eternal punishment. He'll judge his enemies because of their sin, because of their rebellion against him. He will come back. He will take vengeance on those who do not know him and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so this idea of the flock and that there's a flock of God that experiences God's goodness and there's this truth that not everyone is a part of the flock of God It really makes it incredibly important to make us think, am I a part of that flock? Is the Lord my shepherd? Right? The psalm doesn't say the Lord is a shepherd. The the psalm says the Lord is my shepherd. And so that matters. A shepherd versus my shepherd makes an eternity of difference to us. It is the difference between eternal goodness and mercy and the presence of the Lord and eternal suffering 
and punishment. And so this is what the Bible teaches us about the sheep, the flock of God, and those who are not. And ultimately, the first thing to think about when we think about him, I, a part of the flock of God, is do I understand that I'm a sheep? If the Lord is a shepherd to me, that means I'm a sheep. That's all of us. Everyone who claims the Lord as their Savior, who has come to him as Lord and master of their life, committed to him, asked him for forgiveness, that makes you a sheep, a follower of the Lord. We don't set our own direction, right? If we do, that means we're wandering from the Lord. He guides us. He leads us in the right path. He cares for us. We, we need a shepherd. We're, if we don't have a shepherd, then we're exposed to all the dangers of the elements. We're exposed to the dangers of wolves that come in. We're exposed to thieves that come in and might try to steal, kill, and destroy, as we read in John chapter 10. But if the Lord is my shepherd, then we are cared for, we're protected from all of these things, and we're safe in his everlasting arms. He is a shepherd to us. And so the sheep, they follow the voice of the shepherd. We're sheep, we follow the Lord. But more than that, the Bible says that the sheep, if we understand that we're sheep, that we've gone astray. That's one of the things we remember about this imagery of being sheep. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to their own way. And so that's a reminder that really none of us start out following the Lord. That we don't start out in the flock of God, so to speak. That we've sinned, we've uh, we will be punished for it, as Matthew 25 talked about. But we have to come to the Lord and be reconciled to him and be changed from an enemy of God into a part of the family, the flock of God. And really, that fits in with this idea of shepherding, of the goodness of God, that God is good to us. He shows he's a shepherd, that he cares for us, fundamentally in this fact that he has saved us. This is the first way, the greatest way we see the shepherdly care of Jesus for us is that he, even when we were still sinners, he died for us. Not just vaguely dying for people in general, but he died for his people. He died for those who will come to him and be saved, that he was thinking of them on the cross. That's the kind of shepherdly he care he has. He lays down his life for the sheep. So if we realize that, that means that we've become a part of the flock of God when we seek his forgiveness, when we submit to him as our Lord and shepherd. And that means that that same kind of care that the good shepherd shows to his people, the same kind of care we see throughout the Bible, is the same kind of care that he shows to us in all of our life. Individually, he provides peace. He provides contentment. He provides goodness. The summary statement being, the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I shall not want. Everything I need, the Lord provides. I can be content in what he gives. And so as we look at this psalm, we'll see the care for the shepherd. But this morning, it's important to remember that 
because he is a shepherd. That's the reason I shall not want. The Lord over the entire universe with all power, all authority is my shepherd. Therefore, I shall not want. As we close, one more thing to think about from this. And it has to do with this idea of the flock of God. In John chapter 10, when Jesus is talking about being the good shepherd, he makes this statement in verse 16, John 10, 16. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. And that verse is really talking about this idea that you might have picked up on when the Old Testament talks about the flock of God, the sheep of God, it's talking about Israel. That was the imagery being used throughout the Old Testament. Well, here Jesus is saying there are other sheep. He must bring them in, make them a part of his one flock. And so that's talking about you. That's talking about me. That's talking about Gentiles. That's talking about the nations. That Jesus still has other sheep that must be brought into his flock. And this is something he knows them individually. He calls them. He sends us out to proclaim his word so that they will hear his voice and follow him and be saved and be joined to the flock of God. This verse in John 10, 16, this idea of the flock of God and Jesus having other sheep that he must bring in, this is, this is really the motivation for missions, for missionaries, for sending people out to the nations, that Jesus right now has other people, other sheep that he must bring in. So there's two things with that. That means we must go. We talked about the Great Commission last week as we closed Matthew. This idea of Jesus as the shepherd fits this idea that Jesus must bring them in. He's going to use his people to do that as he sends us out to go and proclaim his word. So that's one thing. We must go and proclaim his word, but as we go, we can be confident that God will work through his word, right? He says he must do this. I will bring the, them in. There's, there's no question about it. Jesus will work through his word to save sheep and bring them into his flock as we go out. So as missionaries, as people who just walk across the street and share the word of God, we can be confident that God's word will not return void. He will work through it. He will save people. He will bring his sheep into his flock. And so we can go and even like the tales of missionaries who worked for years and didn't see a single convert until the end of their life or even after their life, they still had this hope, this confidence that God was working, that they could continue to do what God called them to do because the Lord was their shepherd he was bringing people into his flock from all nations. And so that gives us confidence as we go. We proclaim the word of the Lord so that others may join the flock, and we know that he will do that as we proclaim it. And this really brings us full circle because in order to proclaim that, we have to remember that the Lord is our shepherd. In order to proclaim good news, we have to 
enjoy the good news, know the good news, have it flowing out of us. Remember the blessedness, the goodness that is ours because the Lord is our shepherd. And we remember that, we praise him for that so that we can say, not just the Lord is a shepherd, but the Lord is my shepherd. That's our message as we proclaim the Lord. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, we thank you for your care. God, I pray that you will make us more mindful of all the ways that you shepherd us, how you are leading us and guiding us consciously as we think about your word, even beyond ways we know as you orchestrate all the events of our life to put us in the places that you want us, to put us in the places that are according to your plan. We thank you for that, Lord. Lord, what our lives would be like, we don't know if you weren't our shepherd, if you weren't leading us in this way, but we thank you that you have brought us into your flock, that you have left the 99 to save the one, so to speak. And Lord, we pray that we would remember your goodness to us in doing this. Lord, may we meditate on this. May it fill our hearts with joy and wonder and praise as we remember that you are our shepherd. Fill us up with that truth this week, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.